pandemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abra Mellon Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Hello, welcome to the Horror Vision Presents Sharing in Session, a weekly Yellow Jackets discussion. I'm Sean. I'm Missy. And this is full spoiler, so if you're into Yellow Jackets and you have not seen the first two episodes of season two yet, don't listen to this. Uh, I mean, I can't really say that a whole hell of a lot has happened. Um, it's kind of why we didn't do one the first week. I wanted to get two under the, just because I... I didn't feel like the needle moved a lot on the first episode. I rewatched it yesterday. Um, maybe I was wrong, but we'll talk about that. So, Missy, you just caught up last night. Well, I mean, this is going to be episodes one and two of season two. Um, you rewatched the whole series in pretty short order, same as me. But but I you did it like I did it a week ago. You did it this week, so it's fresher in your head. Um, how do you feel about? where we are in season two so far i feel good i like that um we're getting to see a bit more of what what happened to them you know back then it's i think season one focused a little bit more on right now and we wanted i i wanted to see more of that backstory mm-hmm. so i feel like we're getting bigger bites now mm-hmm which I think is pretty cool. Um, I agree. The first episode felt like it moved a bit slow for me too. I want now knowing where we end up, I'll probably rewatch it, you know, probably before next week to see if I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we had some really interesting things to come in episode two. Yeah. Um. Before we get into them, I just want to say to the listeners, so last year, after, so there were 10 episodes, or I guess it was two years ago, whenever, whenever the fuck it was, uh, there were 10 episodes, and after episode nine aired, myself, Tori, and Anthony did a, you know, like, project, like, this is where our predictions for the end of the first season and beyond, right? And so... I went back and listened to most of that right before doing this. And uh, we we got a lot wrong. But, you know, 
whatever. My big thing was, oh, I don't think Jackie's dead. I think she died. But after they get saved and because of the thing in the <laughs> notebook, obviously, like the, <laughs> the episode 10 just smacked that theory down, which is fine. <laughs> um, also, Jackie annoys the fuck out of me. So um, I agree with you. I, I mean, can't it, freaking stand Jackie. I didn't feel that way exactly. Like, I didn't like like her so much, but like this, I don't know, this yeah, I don't know. She's tough to. She's really tough to swallow. Um, but so a couple other things we we got wrong. So the the idea that you know I had mentioned in that episode when they walked to the lake, we freeze framed it, and there were twenty or twenty one people, and then you don't ever see that many people on screen again. And I talked about how well obviously the shooting schedule, and you wouldn't necessarily have blocking for all these people. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the the moment in the first season that where that felt particularly contrived or weird was when they clear the airfield and there's just like the core cast it's like well where's the other like 10 people and so then i started thinking maybe the same way they kind of messed up with the english patient coming out after they maybe it was just a you know i mean the mistakes happen right i mean it's a small thing um and then right away in in season two episode one we we get a couple people i was like oh these are like new people we're focused on um we'll get to that in a minute but so that kind of like answered my thing about staffing, so to speak. Um, <laughs> the other one I had completely wrong. So the girl at the very beginning of the of the pilot episode who's running and falls into the pit with the sticks and is wearing the necklace is not Lottie, obviously. So we still don't know who that is. I will say it's looking more and more like it's not any of the core cast. So it's it. I feel like it undermines the gravitas that that scene had for me a little bit but then again I, we don't know where we're going we might get to know one of the other um people you know one of the other girls that we haven't so far and maybe it'll mean more uh and then just um my whole thing about the my idea that okay there's going to be factions there'll be the cannibals and the not cannibals and there'll be a war and they're all wrong the one thing i will say Tori thought her theory that Adam was Javi was wrong. And I said, well, it doesn't necessarily. I guarantee you. Right. I guarantee you it's Javi. I fucking guarantee it. I was thinking the same thing. I remember that. And that was the one thing that had uh, stuck with me from your discussion. Because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that initially. Mm -hmm. And then when I was watching these last few episodes and everything, I am completely convinced it was him. Yes. And to the the whole like the the point that is often brought up, and I I mean I think I even brought this up uh, that debunks him being Javi is how wouldn't she recognize him? Well, I don't think they ever find him. And the, even and they hadn't seen each other in twenty five years. The whole thing where there Travis is you know. I mean, he obviously got some closure because of Nat's stage thing with the bloody shorts or whatever, but I really don't think in the flashback stuff, I don't think they're ever going to find him. And so I think they all wrote him off, and th there would just be no way Shauna would think he would still be alive. But I guarantee, guarantee. So anyway, so that was, I just wanted to do that to kind of bridge the gap between that episode we did then and now. And so, Missy, talk about... Um, 
we could just talk about the two episodes as a whole, or or we can go episode by yeah. episode, whatever you want to do. I think I think talking about them as a whole and okay. how they connect to each other is fine. So I I really liked how season two opened with how we start out with those scenes of just the the scenescape getting wider and wider in black and white with the trees and the snowstorm and everything. And it really sets sets up for I think where we're we're going. Because we've already started it, it's freezing, they can't find food and whatnot, but it it makes they were isolated before, but it makes it feel more isolated. Yes. I mean granted they were in they're lost in the wilderness and there's no one around for miles and miles and miles, but I don't know if it's the snow or the pacing, but they feel it feels much more isolated and it's moving at a more sedate pace. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when we get to the things that pack a punch, they pack a fucking punch. Yeah, well said. And it, I know we'll come back to it, but the way the the last scene is filmed, oh, um, it's a at the end of the second episode is masterclass. Yes, absolutely. It's like that just floored me. It's the entire scene is beautiful with just those flashes. And the uh, just real quick because it's kind of not it's got nothing to do with the continuity, but. The needle drops in the first two episodes, other than me having to sit through that fucking awful Papa Roach song. Oh, but, but, (laughs) but, which I recognize would have totally been Jeff's jam back in the day, right? So, wow. It Uh, was completely in character, and when it came on, it, like... I thought it was freaking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just like, oh god, I hate this song so much. But the, yeah, so but Jeff is kind of he's, like, he's kind of a douche. Yeah, um, <laughs> that but, song would probably have been his favorite song. <laughs> yeah, um, but that that scene where they use "Climbing the Walls" by Radiohead from OK Computer, which has long been my favorite, probably I don't maybe my favorite radio. I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. I like a couple records a lot. And that is on a record I like a lot. And it's there's just something about that song that scares me. Like there, there is okay. I don't, it was I've never heard it before. Oh, it's it's I, I don't know. There's something about it that reminds me of Soundgarden in a way, not sonically at all, but I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But the, it's it, haunting. It's haunting and it devolves into Tom York like shrieking near the end, but it's so buried in the mix and like covered in fucking effects. It just, oh man. And the beat is, it it was just the perfect, it was so fucking perfect. I couldn't believe it. Like it was one of those, I always think Richard Kelly, like Donnie Darko to me, every single time he marries a popular song to a sequence i'm like oh this is it doesn't get any better as far as t- choosing music for something um and it just felt like that and yeah but then also we had the in the beginning of the first episode the sharon van etten song threw me because i'm like this is a current song and they're in the past but then you get to the chorus and it's like i used to be 17 i'm like oh of course makes perfect sense um I didn't know that song either. 
I'm, I'm not super familiar with her. Um, I got into her after she was on um, Twin Peaks: The Return, one of the musical acts, and so that kind of I I kind of uh, dabbled in her stuff. Um, she's very good. Not exactly my thing, but um, but it, the song worked perfect. There was the the um, Cornflake Girl, which I haven't even thought about that song in 20 years. Easy, and I fucking love that song. Uh, that was perfect. Uh, just every, every, Drowned by Smashing Pumpkins, a band I fucking hate, but a song that I absolutely love. Um, and then Massive Attack, Inertia Creeps, which is the weirdest thing, because yes. that day, <laughs> Friday, I popped in the CD for Mezzanine for the first time in a couple years and listened to it like three times start to finish. It's like, man, I love Massive Attack. Why haven't I listened to this? And then like, a couple hours later, I'm watching that. And I was like, oh, you know, chef's kiss, like another perfect blending of, of um, sound to picture. But anyway, I'm totally, yeah, I, totally rambling. Oh, you're all good. I totally had that thought when um, the Massive Attack song came on when I was watching it last night. Like, wow, why haven't, why haven't I listened to them in forever? Like, I should, it like, it put it back on my radar. Yeah, totally. I, I love, love that. I loved their music. I just kind of forgot about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, but the, uh, okay, so just a couple quick things I want to check off my list of like, I wanted to mention. I love Nat and Travis using the porno magazines for warmth, like packing their fucking jackets with the porno magazines. I thought, like, what a way to use every single thing that you've shown us. Like, right. You know, like, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, warmth or armor. Or I, I guess I, it could have been armor, too. Yeah. Because I was watching it thinking the same thing. That's really cool. But I thought they were making armor. That could be. That, okay. That could, uh, shit, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, I guess it would, would do both. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I found myself wondering, would putting magazines in your... I guess it would prevent your body heat from escaping more, maybe, or something. I don't, I'm don't. i not really sure. Maybe it was but more But it would make armor. it harder to move. Yeah. So, I mean... I, yeah, I took it more as it was like armor protection because old school armor used to be made out of like just leather and stuff like that. That's interesting. So then that begs the question, what are they armoring up for? Um, although I don't think I'm, I don't think that there's anything, any major, you know, like, I don't think they're aware of other people in the woods and that we just uh -huh. haven't seen that yet. Not at all. I think like they, they're showing us what they know. So we know what they uh -huh. know. Um, right. The fact that they're drawing that map and putting it together and coach says, Oh, seven miles in every direction, you know? Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. With the, with that they're scouting and making a map. And I liked how in the, I think, I think it's the the very opening of episode one when we first go back to the cabin that that shot where it's just kind of panning around where everybody's sleeping. Yeah. But it kind of sets up several relationships just right there. Oh. Where you've got like Van um Van and Ty sleeping and their wrists are tied together. Yeah. Like which tells you a lot right in that opening scene. Yeah. Um and then we've got Travis and Natalie waking up because they're gonna 
go out to try and hunt in the snow before dawn. And, you know, and then it pans over to Coach, who's awake. Like, but who's awake, but alone. And then we see, you know, other people that are kind of paired up with, you know, Shauna having a weird dream and kind of pulling the blankets closer because she is alone. Mm-hmm. Like, and it told you a lot about where the characters were at without saying anything. Yeah. And one of the things that I always, that I thought made this this show awesome and really stuck with me is um, the way they set up these relationships and how they explore the conflict between people. It's like they start out as friendships and we saw, I mean, pretty in-depth how Jackie and Shauna's relationship was devolving. Mm -hmm. And then we get to where we are now. And oh my God, it's been two months. She's got Jackie's dead body checked up in the shed. Weekend at Jackie's. Having therapy sessions with her dead best friend. For two months. Yeah, which I gotta say, I so I wasn't a huge fan of of um the sequences with her talking to Jackie. However, I mean, I guess it's just maybe I feel like I've seen that before. But also, that's kind of my problem because I was thinking about it, and it's actually really good they do that because it's showing you a shauna's mental state right um and it it also the way that they've gotten so they had to kind of get us to the cannibalism and you know when season one episode 10 ends and jackie's frozen and it's one of the last things we see i'm thinking oh well she's obviously gonna be the one that they eat but there's still the whole like you have to break that psychological emotional social social more so they wouldn't just oh she's frozen let's eat her right and i think they've done a really good job everything about how they get to where they get to at the end of the second episode is really well done you know it goes from the ear falling off shauna putting in her pocket to hide it and then that just that shot at the end of the first season of episode two where she sticks in her mouth cut right then she's cutting the awesome. arm yeah well it really was then she's cutting the arm or jackie's cutting the arm and she's like no but i'm not the one holding the knife and then you see that she's so and then when they actually approach the smoldering or the barbecued the barbecue pit so to speak she says she wants us to eat her and i was like is she I feel like she touches her stomach at that point. I'm like, is she talking about Jackie wants us to eat her or the baby? I, it's got to be Jackie. Oh, shit. It's got to be Jackie. I just took it. Yeah. Uh, I just took it as Jackie. But I mean, that is an interesting thought. I didn't even think about the baby. There's so much shit with the baby. We're like, so we had, we Kirsten and I went through this thing where we had assumed there's no way Callie could be that baby because of the age difference, right? 
but then or not age difference but you know like it's so they went to their 25 year high school reunion kelly's in high school but then in the second episode she tells the cop at the bar who she doesn't know is a cop um i'm in my second year at rutgers and i was like oh wait she's at college maybe it is the fucking baby but then i realized re-watching that episode she's totally fucking lying to this guy yeah but then i'm thinking but he was also lying to her because he was he lying was to her but then i'm thinking but her and her friend are sitting there drinking so i mean i know fake ids still exist but i'm just like i feel like there's a lot of gray area as far as that and then kirsten's like well there's a brief flash in one of the episodes where it shows them being led like you know from what was probably one plane out of the wilderness the that saved them to a, up mm-hmm. a tar you know across a tarmac into a plane where they're then going to be flown home or whatever and there's all the press and blah 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 and, and she she was trying to freeze frame it to see if you could tell if Shauna was still pregnant because they were out there 19 months so I'm just really unclear like and then then Kirsten's like well maybe this chick that Natalie stabbed in the hand is Shauna's baby and that Lottie right you know there's like all this I, I don't know th- thoughts on any of that that I just slapped up <laughs> I mean I it had crossed my mind but same thing I thought Callie was too young um I don't know personally I think that's like a red herring I think they're gonna eat the baby but that's just me <laughs> yeah I think you're probably right um or it's gonna die I don't know I mean man I I do not know right or it'll die and they'll eat it they might not kill it but i i think that baby is getting eaten i mean there's not i don't have any proof it's just one of those things yeah i just have a feeling and and, you know Um, right right before they they do finally eat jackie at the end of the second episode right before that i'm like you know what maybe they never eat anybody at all maybe that's just like we have no proof that that actually happened and then once again, mm. there's the show like swatting down my stupid theory. Um, <laughs> but also it's that also explains why now they're filling out the cast with some people we hadn't seen before, because those motherfuckers are going to get eaten. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. Crystal, the chick that's singing, which, by the way, is that why Misty likes Phantom of the Opera so much? Was Crystal her introduction to show tunes? Like, are they going to actually harmonize? Maybe. Um but obviously they have like they have to introduce more people so there's some weight when they die and get eaten or are killed mm-hmm. whatever well i mean and i don't th- i think those i mean i don't think they just randomly inserted new people i think they were there we, no they were there, there. were girls in the background 100% pay 100% but they just never showed us any inkling of who they were before right um however Mari or Mary, Mar- I, think I think it's, it's Mari, Mari. Yeah. Um, who they kind of pulled more front and center in the last two episodes. Um, I think that she's gonna end up. I don't know. I have a feeling she's gonna end up being the girl in the pit. That's a good. Yeah, I think you're right. Because we were, we were pretty convinced it was gonna be Lottie, and until recently, until they started using Mari a little more, I kept. Mix, thinking Mari and Lottie were the same girl mm-hmm. um, and it's obviously not Lottie but they're making us pay more attention to Mari yeah. so, it, so that would be like a good bait and switch 
she's also a bitch. She's like, well, although I shouldn't say that. Like, there's a very good reason why. Um, I mean, Misty's one of those people where, like, if you could put yourself in the high school mind frame, like, she, as far as before the wilderness, you can see why everybody, some people just make themselves targets to be picked on Mm -hmm. by bullies. And she told everything she does, she makes herself a target. And then also they, there's obviously the, the resentment they all have about her poisoning them, quote unquote, or whatever. So. Uh, well, but if, de- if they knew that she broke the black or the black box or or the sensor, whatever you want to call it, in the plane in season one, they'd fucking eat her. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So the, I don't think that'll ever come out. Um, yeah, one hundred percent, she'd be dead. Uh, I also think Missy's the one that probably crapped in the piss bucket, <laughs> just probably out probably. of spite for having to go get the water every day. Hmm. I I kind of had that thought too. Um, I'm what, kind of excited that it looks like uh, Misty's about to meet her match uh, uh, with Elijah Wood. He's going to be amazing, dude. So just a little <laughs> bit that that the scene uh-huh. where he comes into the fuck. So first of all, it's probably not even his mom, right? Like he's probably just staging this where he's bringing her in. Like, oh, my mom can only you know how is your your right. filtration system or whatever. Um, but they show his shoes and socks first. <laughs> Like I was like, oh, this is so fucking. Pr-. So my prediction is they're they're gonna be right. They're gonna team up, but be rivals. They're gonna fuck, and she's gonna end up having to kill him. Just well, assuming. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. But I mean, the show continu- continues to surprise us. So yeah, I and just his uh, his letter at the end that is kind of calling her calling her out for a meeting, like. He's going to be a, a a male version of her, and it's going to be totally. chaotic and ridiculous and psychotic in the most wonderful way. Yeah, it 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 really gets my expectations up for more insane Misty Quigley because she's going to probably end up working with him and and then have to be like, I, okay, because he's inviting her to interrogate quote unquote somebody, right? So mm-hmm. he wants to team up with her. With so, Agent Quigley. Agent Quigley. So he wants to team up with Agent Quigley. So, but does he know that she knows Nat? I mean, it seems like if he was able to figure out where she worked, then possibly the same way Nat. This, sorry, uh, the same way Misty was able to. I got the guy that played, um, the hotel clerk. I mm-hmm. fucking loved his. His entire performance made me so fucking happy. Andy Thompson plays Larry, the hotel manager. <laughs> he kind of had a Richard Jenkins vibe. I, I just really enjoyed his whole discussion or his whole conversation with Misty. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if she teams up with Elijah Wood and he doesn't know she's involved. I mean, I see a lot of this like... No, he's got to know. It's like, because he's a citizen and detective too, like... Right, and, and the same way... a little bit we got from him, he seemed like he's on par with her. Yeah, and she she knew the hotel guy's social security number and address, right? So obviously they're both... Yeah, I think... I mean, I think they're going to be rivals. I think they're also... And going to be love interests, and mm-hmm. I mean it's Yellow Jacket, so it'll probably end this like yeah disastrously. But 
it's going to be really funny and psychotic until we get there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because as as if Misty Quigley wasn't enough. <laughs> I know. A, a, a second one, a male one. It's just perfectly cast, too. Perfectly cast. Oh, perfectly, God. yeah. I. He's fantastic in, in everything that I see him in. And I love that he just embraces the weird. Yeah, totally. Like, he makes just some wonderful weird independent movies and it's fantastic yeah absolutely and i i'm i don't know about you but when when we got to that final scene with the ear it's like three o'clock in the morning when i'm watching it and i'm sitting there sitting there like chanting to myself come on eat it eat it, eat it. yeah yeah <laughs> we know this is where this is going you know let's get to the feral tribal cannibal stuff eat the ear <laughs> well and, and and it's interesting because so on that episode we did at uh in season one at the end there's a lot of talk about is it supernatural or is it not and they they still so we know or it seems like lottie has something right mm-hmm. and in that near the end of the first season she references he doesn't want us to leave like there's some kind of entity right and going back to the way that we get to the cannibalism and the way they break the social more of eating another person, the way they shoot that sequence where they're sleeping and you've got like a drone shot from above and you see, it's almost like the camera goes towards the branch that's covered in snow as if it's some invisible uh, thing hits it, drops the snow on to the corpse so it doesn't incinerate it just slowly cooks right so it's almost like mm-hmm. there's suggesting a force is at work and then obviously the smell wakes them up and we it was so well done and i will just say the my favorite thing about that whole scene is the fact that coach is standing there watching it happens goes back inside and like Mine kind of, too. and dude so imagine the post-feast conversation. Like, they come in, and they're like, oh, it was great. Well, I, they're not going to actually say that, but they come inside. He's there. They realize he didn't partake. Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, you know, I that's cool that you ate, Jackie. Uh, I just, I wasn't really hungry. <laughs> like, no, no, you are immediately now <laughs> the other, right? You did not take part in this, but you know that they did. He's another one. Like, is he alive? Probably not. Um Oh God, I just fucking love this show. Yeah, if he doesn't join with them, he might be next on the menu. Although you had mentioned earlier that you think that your earlier predictions about factions and whatnot were wrong. I don't think that's true at all. I think it's setting it up. There's already a division between them. I mean, and it's not just, I mean, there is obviously with with Coach and that he did not partake and you know, kept himself separate. But we've seen who are going to be Lottie's devotees and who yes. don't agree. You've already got Thaisa and Lottie kind of lined up as the two that people really listen to. And who neither uh, one of them particularly like Lottie or believe in her in her whatever, right? Well, wait, no, I just, I was saying Lottie and um, you've got Lottie and Thaisa Oh, I'm who, sorry. Who I'm sorry. Just mean? I meant Nat and Thaisa. So Nat and Thaisa oh, would be well, anti-Lottie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you've, oh, 
I was going to bring up Nat next, some of the conversations with Travis that they're on opposite sides. Yeah, this wick of bullshit's not really Lottie doing anything. And uh, right. So when when they split, you're going to have Taisa um, and Nat, Ben, if he's still alive, on one side. Um, we know that Van is very devoted to Lottie. Mm-hmm. And but loves everything. But loves Taisa. So that's an interesting schism right there, right? But that last shot in the final episode of the first season shows Lottie placing the bear heart on that altar tree stump, whatever. Uh-huh. And then who's who she's surrounded by, Misty and Van. Um uh-huh. interesting. We still, I mean, Lauren Ambrose is cast as grown-up Van, which another case of absolutely perfect casting. And we still haven't seen and we her. We haven't seen her yet. Which is really interesting. Um Oh, we haven't seen any. Well, I mean, we did get a glimpse of Elijah Woods but yeah. in that one scene at the nursing home, but that was about it. We just heard his voice. Um, so, the, okay, so going with the factions then, that, that's it. So, okay. I, I, I mean, it might, unless we find more people, I mean, I don't think you're going to have large factions, but you're at the very least, you're going to have two groups that don't agree. Definitely. Um, two warring tribes and it's it's interesting because they've kind of we're really off any map that i had for how this was going to go down after the end of the first season because when they break in when the people break in and take natalie and then you've got the voiceover from her friend from the bank saying who the hell is lottie matthews Mm -hmm. i'm like okay so she has a cult they're somewhere and now they've kidnapped her but it's not a cult so it or or whether or not i mean it could be that there's a core group that's a cult cult. and then (laughs) you know they earn their money by having this kind of new age whatever but it it makes it really hard to kind of like which is good to kind of figure things so I still think my theory from last year was that Missy Quigley knows about Travis's death because the whole thing where she draws the symbol out of where the candles were, there's no fucking way she just, oh, look what I just realized. Like she had to know something about that, right? And and then we see her at the end of season one as one of the two devotees standing next to Lottie. Lottie's whole story to Nat about Travis's death. I mean, at first, I'm like, "It's this has to be bullshit." Except they're showing us. So she's telling Nat, and they're showing us. Right? That's a common right. storytelling tool, right? But she's not explaining to Nat that Laura Lee shows up and goes all Evil Dead and whatever. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it. So the fact that she's not saying that, but we're seeing it, to me says, well, then it happened. But it might not have happened exactly the way, like there might be stuff left out. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm getting this vibe that it's like, is there some dark death force that Lottie worships and periodically does these sacrifices to? And Travis was one of them, and and she's contacted by these manifestations in her head where it's you know Laura Lee shows up and and I don't know thoughts. Um, but Tra- I mean Travis, Travis believes her. He's on her side. 
Like he buys into it. Nat doesn't, but he does. Mm -hmm. And I mean, granted, that's her version of the story, but like he says something. He um, what does he say? He he wants to be on. He wants to get as close to death as possible so he can talk to it. Yes, so it can tell me what it wants. So it can what it wants me to do, or something like that. So I mean, there's either you know some like supernatural entity or deity in play, or it's shared psychosis, which I mean is also possible. We're getting their we're getting their version of events. So I mean, if people if they believe in it, whether if they believe in the supernatural deity or whatever enough, they make it real yeah. for themselves. So it exists either way. Because if they think it does, then it does for them. Because they're making their decisions based on this. Travis didn't want to die. He wanted to talk to it. And it went wrong. So that's interesting. Then I could see what what they show us. So what they're showing us is Lottie helping him, right? And then the entity shows up as Laura Lay and basically becomes aggressive because I'm I'm like I'm taking him basically. And then then the button malfunctions and he dies, right? So that actually uh-huh. yeah. So you just completely kind of changed the way I look at that. I looked at that scene. It didn't okay. make sense to me before, but now it does. And so she sees it as Laura Lay, maybe. And then let's talk about Taisa. She's batshit fucking like she's way crazier than I had thought. <laughs> previously. Same, way same. crazier. Like I knew she was having sleepwalking episodes that she didn't remember, but that whole thing with Sammy, you know, her her son, yeah, with Sammy coming and her calling Simone to come pick him up, and. You know, they get in this fight, they're driving, and then the school calls, and it's like, oh, he's been here for two hours. So she hallucinated, you know, conversations with, um, with the little boy, with Sammy, with her wife Simone, a whole phone call where they like have a fight. None of this shit happened. It's all in her head. No, I think the phone call with with um the, the wife happened, and and so they. So when that first happens, so then I was like, oh, wait, she was sleeping when Moni showed up. So she was dreaming it. But no, because, again, they go back in the car when she, when the wife is on the phone with the school. They go back and right. show us Thaisa when she's talking to Sammy and nobody's there. It's just Steve the and dog. Right? There. So she was awake. So she's fucking nuts. Um, and then also... Oh yeah, because she's obviously got like a a split personality or something, something. going on because she remembers none of it, and this other person is like doing these different things, and she has no rec- recollection on it. Well, it. not but not only does she not have the recollection, but she has false recollections. So she's imagining somebody, be- her son, being there talking to her, right? And that right. So then that motivates her to call Mo. But then the other thing is. She looks, I didn't catch it, Kirsten pointed it out, based on how that truck hits them, it looks like 
when Moni's like on the phone and like, this is bullshit or whatever, she speeds up, but she's also looking in the direction the truck is coming. So Kirsten's like, I think she saw that truck and purposely did it. And she did. You know why? The truck hits Moni. It hits passenger side. So she just solved the problem. Right? Like, there you go. You're going to threaten me because she tells her if you don't step down. I'm going to go to the fucking press and you're not going to see our son anymore. Problem solved if she's dead. So there you go. She fucking, she fucking killed her. That's an act of homicide. Um, okay. I didn't see that. I didn't take that that way at all. That's I I'm pretty sure was, that's what it is. I thought, she, I mean, I know she sped up and she crashed on purpose, but I thought it was more of that like other, um, personality at play yeah and she looks like she's just drilled in right like she's getting so angry that she's just like focused on the anger and then that the the result is she was turned right right but yeah no i think that that was a very deliberate thing and i think it solves a lot of her problems i mean that's just completely fucked uh you know never mind like the altar (laughs) when she bought that dog steve i was like oh steve you're fucked. Right. And she tells him she's going to do better. And I'm like, yeah, not when she's asleep. Yeah. He, he comes to her when she's in <laughs> the, the room. The bad one's going to get you. <laughs> he comes to her when she's in the room at the altar. And like she's holding him and he's like looking. It looks like he's looking right at the other dog's head like, oh, shit, this bitch is fucking nuts. I gotta get up <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, I still think that there's something I the symbol there was talk i don't remember if we talked about this on that that previous episode uh last year but i had seen somewhere somebody said oh those are hobo signs there's a there's another name for them but basically in the old days hobos that would like go town to town or whatever they had a language they had symbols they'd leave that meant like this town don't stop this town the sheriff is is, will put you in jail these people will feed you where people were that might help you that might feed you yeah that's not what that sign is the symbol because there's nobody fucking there no wadi it's something from her head because she was drawing it on the window but but it but it also is there before that so i think she's drawing it on the window because she oh, yeah, saw it's on it on the trees that's right. right i forgot it's on the trees so it predates their arrival now javi obviously gets to somebody that saves him and i'm thinking there's got to be some tie between that the symbol adam coming back around i still think the symbol is a post-hypnotic trigger that triggers some of the shit in them i mean maybe it could just be ptsd too as soon as they see that symbol yeah yeah it's gonna draw draw nothing but bad shit for them but and and then so the scene where Ty almost sleepwalks off the cliff and, and Vanessa stops her, right? So, A, she's following the eyeless man. So, does that, do you think, this two-part question, do you think that means he was trying to kill her? And B, when that scene ends, when it resolves, so Ty is awake, Van saved her, the camera pulls back the symbols on the tree right by that cliff. So, I don't know. Do you think the eyeless oh. man was trying to lead her to his death? Like, is he, he seems like a personification of death to tie. I mean, I thought he was just, 
and we've been seeing her hallucinating. I thought she just hallucinated him. I, I guess I didn't think of him as a real person. I was trying to see if he was still in the beginning. Um, I think he is. I he, think he is. Season one, he flashed in the credits, and I was trying to see if he was in the new credits, but I, if he was, it was really quick. I couldn't catch it. I mean, he's definitely not a person person, but I think he's some kind of manifestation of something. And it could just be the same, the same thing that Lottie is seeing as Laura Lay show up or whatever, like whatever that is. Could be. I mean, cause I've always, that's kind of what I've always thought about religion as a whole. Mm -hmm. Like, um, um, what we call magic, other people call God and what, yeah people call God, they, I mean, there are a zillion different words in a million different races, civilizations, whatever. I think humans are connecting with the same thing and we're all calling it something different. Yeah, we all put a different so, lens on it, right? Right. So for Lottie, she sees Laura Lee because that friendship is probably part of what puts her on this path as being a cult leader. <laughs> yeah. Because Laura Lee thought that God was speaking to and through Lottie. And that she should trust the visions. So this is interesting because it, it really does make me think back to, the, to Lottie's story with Travis and um, he, I think he, she's telling the truth. I think she is now she's too. Admitted I admitted things. I think yes. I I think he did put the symbol. If he was trying to contact whatever that is, mm -hmm. he would have put the symbol there. But so then, at some point, that means they they somebody learns what that symbol is, right? Right. So that's just still something we haven't seen. I'm curious how grown up Van, like where she's going to be, or any other people. Oh, man. I'm I'm really interested, especially because I, I feel like both these episodes moved a little bit slowly, which was fine because you wanted to because it's setting up the isolation. Oh, we're gonna have some as it gets deeper, we're gonna yeah. have some batshit crazy. I think it's gonna there's just gonna be an episode where it's like, oh shit, it just goes off. <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened in the last season. Doom coming kinda Yeah. Just, <laughs> just went insane i mean it's one of the best episodes they've done but everything about that episode was batshit crazy i i wondered too so during doom coming javi's hiding shauna runs out they're chasing travis and she goes run right and mm -hmm. he's tripping and she looks all fucked up and her voice is all fucked up mm -hmm. when grown-up shauna and jeff go to his art studio in in episode two season two episode two and they're looking at all the pictures of Shauna that he's painted or drawn when they have sex. So Jeff bends her over the workbench or whatever, and the painting directly, they we see his perspective, and it's a painting where her face is all fucked up. And I think mm -hmm. it's a representation or like a memory of that moment from Doom Coming. Oh, okay. 
because all the rest of them are normal, right? It's just, it's Sean. It's weird that there's none of her as a teenager, if that is Javi, but I don't care. It's Javi. It's, I'm, I'm sticking to that until I'm proven wrong. You'd, you wouldn't, I mean, obviously it wasn't a good experience for them. So, I mean, he might've blocked a lot of that out too, Yeah. but that, but that image would stay with you. Yeah, definitely. Man, it's so fucking there's there's we've just broken the surface on something I feel like that is so much bigger. Like uh not only in terms of like cast and where they're at what they're doing, but in terms of like philosophically speaking. And I oh it, it's just I know you I so I know you don't necessarily like to watch shows week to week. I have a hard time sticking with watching things week to week because I don't connect with the story in the same way. Um, the, the fact that we're doing this podcast will make it easier because I'll be making sure I'm watching it week to week mm -hmm. so that we can talk about it after. And then once it's finished, I'll just watch it again as a chunk and find all the things I missed. That's what I'm thinking too, yeah. I have a hard time with watching things week to week because it as somebody who connects deeply with stories and likes to binge things i'll have these these big chunks where i'm in in that story right for you know i binged it all in like the past week again and while i was doing that i'm i'm in it and i'm and i'm picking up on how different characters are feeling and reacting and you know, how how would I process that kind of situation and whatnot? When I watch it week to week, I feel like I miss so much. And I and I don't connect with anybody. Like all right, I still haven't finished the lost the last of us. I'm about halfway through because I was trying to watch it week to week and then I got distracted and forgot. And now I haven't finished it because I didn't connect with it that way. I got distracted by yellow jackets and that kind of thing because I could go in deep. Mm -hmm. Now that it's all up, I'll probably just have to watch The Last of Us over as as a chunk to get the whole story because it it feels like little things fall through the cracks and I just I don't connect with it as well and then I don't care and I forget. I get distracted. I could totally see that. There's a momentum that you gain when you binge something. I would argue if the show is good enough. So Breaking Bad was really the first show. After, I mean, obviously, you know, we're old enough where like TV wasn't all you didn't always have binging as an option. Right. That's a fair that Netflix invented that essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, in, unless you were the unless you waited for the DVDs to be released and then you whatever. But. Breaking Bad was the first one where when I got into that, like right before the second season, I loved watching it week to week because you get this, when the episode ends, it's like, no, what the fuck? No. And it carries you. So there's, it's a different kind of momentum, but it, you're 100%. There's a more immersive momentum when you can watch everything in a couple short sittings, right? This definitely has that. This to me has that momentum. I can see that. Um, I remember us having a similar discussion when I watched Breaking Bad because um, 
you had been watching it week to week. I binged it all in a very short time so that when I came to you, we could finish watching season the ending season together. Yeah, because you came out right before the finale, and so I think right. didn't we didn't we binge like um the that last season where it was the like last season, and then I went with you to the party and yeah, where we watched it. Yeah, but so we watched like six or seven episodes in like a day. It was like season six mm-hmm. part two or whatever. I they broke it up all. And weird. previously, I had watched all of it like within a like a couple weeks yeah um and there were a couple major cliffhangers where i'd message you afterwards and you'd be like okay well i had to wait yeah the whole you know i had to wait months to find out about that and you're just gonna go change the desk <laughs> but i but i like i loved that experience just like i love this experience where like you know i'll never forget the episode where it's like you know where Uncle Jack shows up and and I'm careful spoilers even now. I mean, it's been fucking how long, but but like major <laughs> characters get killed. But like that, there was an episode that ended, and I remember being like, "No, are you fucking kidding me?" Like, right. no. But it was still great. Like, I loved, I loved having that. And so that's like this now, where mm-hmm. I mean, the end of the second episode it just really introduces. Okay, so who's next? And how are they going to process the fact that they just ate somebody? And I think Shauna has a lot less qualms about doing this. Like, Shauna... She was the first one to do it to begin with. She's a pretty fucked up person. Like, I I like the character. They're all fucked up. They're all fucked up, but she's... There's like a a pragmatic like, violence. I love the fact that she's like, "I, I don't fucking like my daughter. My daughter's a fucking asshole. Like, how many parents, you know, you'd be like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. She's, no, she's a fucking asshole. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, this was also during the brunch from hell. Yeah. Like, that's a high stress situation. But also, like, it occurred to me, so we see Callie pull, like, what's left of Adam's ID from the barbecue, right? And I said to Kirsten, I feel like if this continues along this path, I'm not 100% certain that, that present-day Shauna wouldn't kill her daughter to save her own ass like not 100 percent. like i wouldn't put money that she on her not killing her right um, i mean she sort of definitely has some uh sociopathic tendencies yeah um i mean they're all it's kind of funny when thinking about all of the main characters that we know are still alive nat is the most well-adjusted and she's a <laughs> fucking drug addict. <laughs> yeah, she's a mess, but she's still probably the most well-adjusted. I mean, because you've got Misty, who's uh, injecting fentanyl into cigarettes and kidnapping people to the tune of Phantom of the Opera, which yeah. is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, Kaisa has some kind of crazy split personality where she's killing things and doesn't even know about it i mean how about that one of the scenes in i think it was episode one of this new season where her and van are sleeping and she kind of wakes her up kissing her and then bites her face yep (laughs) yep yeah i mean van's like i'm not scared of you you kill the wolf for me that's solely romantic i will say with van i feel like having had half her face tore off 
she should be exhibiting a little bit more PTSD, I feel like. But maybe it's not there because she's so focused on saving Thaisa. So maybe that's like how she keeps herself in check. How many times have we even said like, you know, you'll be having a terrible, a terrible day. And I mean, I know like when I'm having a high anxiety day and everything's bothering me and stressing me out and like, I'll talk... I'll talk to you and you might tell me you're having a bad day too. And in trying to help you, I forget about all the yeah. stuff that's bothering you. Yeah, good. Yeah, good point. Very and good point. vice versa. So, I mean, I think she's just focusing on it because she's got, she's in this terrible situation and she's got this one good thing. Maybe it's a little fucked up and she's trying to, you know, to save it, but she, her bond with Thaisa is the one good thing she has. Yeah. And, you know, okay, Thaisa's fucked up, but they all are, and she's trying to help her. Yeah. And that's better than being alone. Like, she would have killed herself. She was miserable. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Actually, we did see more PTSD before. Yeah, it gives her something to hang on to, and it also makes her the fact that Thaisa loves her and tells her that she loves her, she's beautiful, she makes she makes her what is that saying? You you are not the whole world, but one person but to one person you are the world. Oh yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah, I can see that. That's a okay. I fucked up the quote. I no, but I, I but I get the something sentiment. like that. To the world, you are one person, but to one person, you are the world. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So that would be a reason for her to, for Van to keep fighting. Yeah. I just, all right, I understand there are social, you know, it's, it's taboo to, for them to go ahead and eat people. I'm really surprised it took two months of Jackie being dead for somebody to, and you're all fucking starving to death. You you really think nobody would be like, hey, maybe we should eat her? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um, although Lottie may have swatted that down the same way she swatted down, you know, the like where there was talk of taking her Jackie's jacket, and then Sean is like, no, and then Lottie kind of intervenes, and like she's definitely become kind of like a force for, like you know, no, we need to do this, or you know. Um, like you said, people look to her for leadership. She's becoming their shaman. Yeah, so yeah, one hundred percent, perfectly said. That's She's exactly. She's becoming their shaman, and some of them believe in her, and you know, will go along with it, no questions. And then you have a few that don't. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I that closing scene just everything about it is fantastic, but. The part that's more impactful is when you do when it pans over and you see Coach, yeah. <laughs> who is just horrified and hiding, and you're thinking, okay, well, if you don't, I mean, you have one leg and you can't fight off a a tribe of feral, crazy, cannibalistic teenage ladies. Yeah, I mean, so you're probably next on the menu. I I like the coach. I hope he I, do it, <laughs> I do too. I do too. I just picture like. They're gonna look at him and remember the old cartoon where the two the two characters are starving and the one looks at the other one and it becomes like a giant turkey leg. 
<laughs> that's basically like, oh man, poor coach. Um, one more thing I wanted to bring up as far as PTSD. What do you think? So we see that when, when they get rescued and Lottie gets back and in, reintegrating into the world, she goes basically catatonic. Mm-hmm. Now there's two ways that I can think of to interpret that. The first is that much like Misty, where Misty breaks the black box because she finds she's useful there, right? Like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I, my life has purpose. Before I was a nobody, she overhears two girls say, thank God she's here. We don't know what we And that, you know, prompts her to go break the box because I don't want this to end here. I'm important. So it could be that with Lottie, like she loses her purpose. Or is it some kind of punishment from whatever the he, the force that she perceives to be there, whether real or not, you know, she could be imagining it. He's, it's punishing her. But what do you think about that? I think that, um, I think that she finds her purpose. Okay. Um, because we're seeing different people, you know, in, in any kind of situation like this, you're going to have people who adapt and thrive and can thrive in this situation and people who can't like Jackie. Yeah. Jackie could, I mean, she didn't pitch in. She couldn't, she wasn't very self-sufficient. She froze to death because she couldn't even start a fire herself. Um, Whereas other people have, Natalie has become a hunter. She didn't until, um, until this, she was kind of a stoner burnout who kept to herself she didn't and here she's a hunter yeah you know in the real world lottie was i mean i think she definitely has some kind of clairvoyance or she's had dreams that have come right and her her mother but believed that she saved them because of the car accident her father took her to a psychiatrist they right. put her on meds in the real world Lottie is you know her parents think she's crazy and she's medicated there she's a shaman yeah. and we're seeing it with different people you're right um, you you're know, 100% Misty right. <laughs> oh and, and... was go ahead Misty, who was picked on by, I mean, and they still, they don't like her here either, but, and again, she's found she's very resourceful. She is very adaptive. She retains things. She's learned things that have been useful to them. Yeah. So here, she's important. There, she's not. Although it's interesting, she fucked it up for herself. Because she was very valued until the mushroom incident, and now she's not at all. Right. So she actually created her own hell. Um, Right. Which, yeah, that's interesting. But also, like, Nat, now that you say that, 100%, the way Natalie is in present day, that you can draw a comparison to soldiers that come back from combat. Yeah. and, And they can't reintegrate because that was their purpose and so that's 100 percent like right. what we're seeing with nat is like she is a hunter she so they all and again oh. she's she's the most well-adjusted of all of them and she's i mean 
she's broken, but she's she's real. Yeah. She's genuine. Damn. I was really excited to see Kevin Pan back. I was too. Even I... as even if he's just the homicide detective, I was really excited to see him back. I I, I would like to see him and Natalie help each other. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Because he seemed like he like he would be good for her, and if she's going to self destruct on her own. But um, I also loved when all right, so she gets kidnapped at the end of season one, mm-hmm. and you know wakes up in at Lottie's I don't know compound, commune, whatever. She wakes up there. Um, breaks out, stabs somebody with a fork, and then confronts Lottie in the middle of some kind of service with a, she's got like a club or yeah a piece of a baseball bat or something, and you know it comes out of the shadows like I'm coming for you. Yeah, I love Natalie so much. She's yeah. by far my favorite character in both versions. Yeah, I would both agree. Both her young, young adult and adult self. And she's fucking fierce. I mean, she's a mess, but she's more grounded than the other ones, and she's one of the strongest of all of them. Yeah, easily. Oh, man. I don't know. There's so much they've set up, you know, now we've got the daughter. I didn't realize the daughter was going to play such a, a, a pivotal role mm-hmm. or could could play a pivotal role. Um, I mean, they brought Jeff more forward a little bit. Like, what the fuck was with that? They, that weird, like that weird sex scene they had in Adam's studio. And then that whole thing with the car, like they seemed like they were kind of rekindling their relationship. What? Over all this macabre, crazy bullshit, and then he kind of went like, I don't know, dark side. Well, Kirsten brought up. I didn't catch this at all, because so they they the sex scene like he bends her over, and then they cut to something else, and then when they cut back, I forget what it was, but Kirsten's like, wait, so does that mean that he like he couldn't perform? And I was like, oh, I. I actually didn't catch that. I thought they just, you know, they just cut out showing us the actual sex, which is fine. See, I thought that too. But then I was like, wait, maybe you're right. Because then I don't know what. So my, I think it wasn't a matter of he couldn't perform. I think in that moment he got caught up and turned on. This happens. And then he stops and he's like, okay, this is where I'm at is fucked up. Like my wife, like everything she says in that scene about like, I thought the thought of you being with somebody else I thought would bother me, but it doesn't. And then I like, you know, I like who I am or whatever. I like being this person. And he's got to be thinking, okay, well, she's not just talking about like weird sex stuff. She's talking about like, if she's telling me at this moment in time, I like the person I am. She just fucking murdered somebody. Like, I feel like they're all a little bit nonchalant and not worried enough. You know, Misty's worried the whole fake interrogation scene, you know. And then Sean is like, well, we were careful. 
like almost like that eh, we don't need to talk about this anymore it's like i feel like you should be a lot more concerned then she finds the mm-hmm. key and realizes like oh he's an art studio i felt like they went about defacing the the pictures in the dumbest way possible right why didn't burn down the just burn it down no not even they could have just taken turpentine and affected the face enough where it would have looked like adam style was painting this woman with a fucked up face but instead Mm -hmm. they make it look like somebody broke in or got in and and because it was incriminating so i feel like they just like doubled down on leaving evidence Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah, I mean, I didn't even think of that, that you could just have used enough to blur the faces and it would just look like it was supposed to be that way. Yeah, I mean, just enough to alter it so it doesn't look like Shauna. Right, because what they did, yeah, it looks, it is obvious that somebody broke in to destroy that and they're going to find something because you didn't destroy it. If you're going to, like, your idea was good or they should have just burned it all down. Yeah. I'm hoping at some point they release as like a tie-in product, you know, so for Twin Peaks when it was at its height in the 90s, um, you could buy Laura Palmer's Secret Diary and read it. Yeah, I remember that. I had one. You sent one. Yeah, because I bought every... Anytime I find it somewhere, I buy. I mean, I got one back in the day, and since then, I found a couple of thrift stores. I buy it and send it to somebody because, like, how can I not? Um, but I'm hoping, like, we get a Shauna journal because I would love to see what she writes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have to be after the show is over, or, or at least, you know, at some point later on. Right. This, um, I don't know. I I thought I was. Showtime makes me a little nervous because I really liked let the right one in the show they did um this past year and they not only at least they let the first season finish but they not only canceled it or or didn't renew it but they removed it from their service so they could do a tax write-off or you know so that completely sucks oh, really i and i thought the show was fucking great i really like that show but that made and they did that with both that and the admittedly Milk Toast, um, John Bernthal, American Gigolo show, um, same thing. Like they just didn't renew it, and then apparently they removed it so they could tax, you know, use it as tax write off or something. Um, that's weird. So I was thinking before Yellow Jacket season two started, hopefully they're just going to write it as three seasons, and the fervor for it, the fan base culturally carries it through. But I'm wondering, like, I don't know that you can do three seasons. Like, I feel like there's, I mean, we'll see, but I feel like there, there's more here than maybe you could do. Cause this, this episode or this season is nine episodes. Oh, that really? Well, the first one was 10. 10. So this is weird that like, I, if you go on IMDb, it says 20 episodes, but 10 episodes, first season, nine episodes, second season, one episode, season three. So I'm assuming that means it's already been picked up for its third season, but the fact that they, it's nine episodes, you know. I mean, I, I'm not worried about it being canceled yet, but if this is a show where, like, if if Showtime were to make one of these shitty decisions, and also, like, I'll admit, like, HBO is the one that put this fear back in me because, like, Raised by Wolves was supposed to be three seasons. They went two seasons, and they were like, eh, we just decide we're not going to finish that last season. Fuck it. Like, are you kidding me? So that sentiment is alive and well in content providers, and studios and i just 
it really makes me nervous if this were to drop off with the ratings, if they just be like, well, fuck this. Mm. So. Well, I mean, right now it seems like it's got a good following. Yeah. Um, and I like how they're kind of paralleling now with a lot of the the past. Because did you notice that at Lottie's cult, when or you know, it's not a cult, but it's totally a cult. It's an intentional um, community. <laughs> That's what she calls it. An intentional an community. Intentional, <laughs> but um, when Natalie. Guy shows up or breaks breaks out and is coming for Lottie in the dark. All of like they're in the middle of a ritual or something. All the other people are wearing animal masks. Yeah, which made me that was that really made me excited because yeah, last season, um, I, I was looking up a lot of images trying to see what all those animal masks were that we've oh. seen glimpses of I'm kind of obsessed with them <laughs> I remember that actually I remember talking to you about that that's right mm -hmm. and we haven't really seen any new ones yet the, most of the clips so far that we've seen um, in these past two episodes nobody's been wearing masks They're, yeah right right but, as far as the survivors in the cabin right mm -hmm. yeah and we know we can get back to it at some point. Yeah. And I love that we're getting, like, there will be different scenes where something will be happening and you'll just get, like, a flash of yeah. an image that you barely see, but it's just long enough to register that, you know, oh, it was, like, the antler queen walking down this tunneled hallway. Yes, or yeah, yeah. They were doing it, they were doing it at the end of episode two with the you know the cannibal dinner scene too um where you're you've got these long bright bright shots of everybody all dressed up like in medieval times or, or like mythology. romans it looks like a roman like celebratory you dinner know what you're right you're right romans because the first episode is friends yes romans, Oh, so you're good right one. on, Roman. Oh my god, I didn't even catch that good one. Oh, that's fucking great. I didn't catch it until just now. I because um I used to really like Greek mythology in high school, and that makes sense too, because the other the two that run parallel, it's Roman, right? Yeah, it's right. Roman, right. So you've got like okay. Oh, the same man. stories, but they're kind of renamed. Um, yeah, so you've got this Roman dinner scene, and it's bright, and they're happy, and they're eating good food, and then you'll get, like, this these dark, feral, it's lit with, like, a blue lens, and it's, like, these feral flashes of, you know, them eating yeah. Jackie, and it's fucking amazing, but they've been doing these flashes throughout where, you know, uh, we'd get, like, a flash of the antler queen walking down the lit hallway or all these different things that are just like showing them going wild. There's another flash that Kirsten pointed out. I saw, but it didn't really register until she brought it up. And I like, we don't know what it is at all. And it's not one of those. 
it's Nat has a flash of paramedics. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. So, I mean, that's like, they slip that in and it's like, okay, what is this? Like, so she's obviously like, is it, I don't know, like, absolutely no idea. When Waddy's people took her. I don't think so. Could have drugged her. No. I mean, maybe that's possible. That is possible. Maybe. Or, I mean, it could have been a, like, she could have had an overdose at some point. It could have been a flash of something like that. Yeah. Yes. Very, very. Or like hypothermia, like if whoever saves them, what I, I, we, we will see. Um, oh man, God damn. Like, look, I figured that this episode would be, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just, you know, it'll be short. <laughs> this is just two episodes. So I, I mean, I don't know to the listeners. I, I mean, this is a lot of stuff. We're also kind of covering season one again, right. In a way. So I don't, I don't think we, on a weekly basis, this will be this. Be this long, but. Yeah. But there was a lot to talk about because two episodes. And, and also I feel like my, what I said when we came in where I was like, yeah, we didn't do the first one. Cause I mean, I hadn't really like pitched you the idea yet. Um, and then also like, I just, I don't know, whatever, but I I didn't feel like the first one like moved a lot of uh, the needle for me, but now I feel like I was wrong. I feel like there's taken together these first two episodes really put us deep in the country of something that I I don't know. It's I think it's going to be fantastic. Oh, I do too. Yeah, it definitely I hearing you say that, I definitely want to watch the first episode again cuz I felt the same way. Like it didn't really feel like a a premiere because a premiere usually is going to have a big hook. Yeah. And this didn't. I like. I mean, I wasn't. We're we're saying it moves a little slow, but it's like I wasn't bored. It was interesting. It was. Yeah, definitely. Good character development and everything. It it's just it's moving at a more sedate pace, and I think that's intentional because it's winter and they're starving. And everything is slowing down. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's on purpose. Um, but while there was plenty that kept me interested, there wasn't any big hook except for the like, the last 30 seconds where I'm sitting there chanting, eat the ear. Eat the um, ear. <laughs> eat the ear. <laughs> um, but then we go into episode two, and then you've got a couple big hooks. Yeah, because I'm very interested to see what happens with, uh, you know, our citizen detectives Misty uh, Quigley and now her male co- counterpart in Elijah Wood. Um, definitely interested to see how that plays out because I'm sure it's going to be super fucked up. <laughs> Dude, she's so funny. Like that first time when he she's reading that his message on the citizen detective board where it's like, stop, uh, check the bank statement, stop, lots post, stop. And like when she gets to the end and it's like, or the, the it's always the husband or the mysterious lady friend and it cuts her and she's like, no. And she just hits the down vote arrow on his post. And slams so dramatic. <laughs> like the, the, the powerless troll of the internet, like the down vote, like, fuck you. Oh, I well, love they've it. Got, they've already got like this kind of cute psychotic connection. Yes. When he walks in with 
you know, to that nursing home to check it out for his mom, who I agree is probably not his mom at all. No. Um, it's either somebody that he hired or somebody he's terrorizing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but like he looks at her and she gets all like all her feathers ruffled. Like they have this this connection, and it's probably going to be like just flirty and awkward and psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be just as nuts as her. Yeah. Like, what was so. his name? Like putting, putting the, the sick in forensics. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like Lady African Grey or something. Yeah, yeah. The bird. Oh my god. <laughs> she's so fucking crazy. So crazy. So crazy, and like even going back to season one and the stuff with the the mushrooms in the soup and you know that she she poisoned them well which she also she did not do, do that right mari yeah, that actually not... technically did it because she just assumed the mushrooms were so but on the other hand she wasn't innocent because she was going to use them to drug back <laughs> yeah right oh man so she's arguing her you know her defense that no, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to poison you, but you were going to poison somebody else. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> like they're still not going to trust you. That yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Um. Well, okay. Closing thoughts. Anything that you wanted to talk about we didn't get to? I don't think so. Um. I'm just anxious to to see what uh what they throw at us next because yeah the the two big hooks for for me were i want to see what happens with uh misty and and elijah wood which i mean i misty quigley is one of those characters you just love to hate yeah yeah totally. and christina ricci just i've never been attached to her in the past and i love her in this I know it's it's totally changed. I mean, I didn't have anything against her, but she just was not a draw in any sense. Right. You know, I, I hadn't seen a lot with her other than like Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, which I fucking hate. And uh and she... now I like, oh, she's in it? Okay. You know, like it's like almost a draw. Like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I'll check that out. Right. Right. Um and Natalie has threatened cult leader Lottie that she's going to find a way to end her. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how that plays out because I feel like that is going to parallel what happened in the past because mm-hmm. those are those are opposing forces. We were talking earlier about you know who's on Lottie's side and who isn't. Nat's been very vocal from the beginning that she doesn't agree with her. Yeah. So- well, okay, so we'll uh, be back next week with uh, probably a considerably shorter episode, but uh, yeah, with uh, more to talk about, and uh, hopefully no more fucking Papa Roach, though. <laughs> or or uh, Handle Box, or whatever the Collective Soul, whatever there's one in the in Doom coming. Oh, no, it's collective, I think it's Collective uh, Soul. It, I mean, it collective soul, it's but... appropriate because of when it was, it just yeah, because just, of the time period. Please, no more, no was, more of that. 
the world I know. Um, and it it was appropriate because yeah. of the time period. It and was. Papa Roach was, I don't like the song either, but it was well-timed and it made me laugh when it happened because it, it sums up Jeff's character perfectly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right. Chicken nugget and, department. <laughs> and we, I mean, we've been waiting for a season and a half and we fi- we finally got into the cannibalism. It's been confirmed. Yes, it's been confirmed. So, all right. So we'll be back with the another episode next week. But until then, for the Horror Vision Presents Sharing in Session, I am Sean. And I'm Missy. All right. So let me...